Well, good morning. We're glad you joined us for worship. Today is the second Sunday in Advent, and in just a moment, we'll light the Advent candles. So if you're worshiping with us at home, go ahead and grab your candles and feel free to light them along with us. During Advent, we light candles on a wreath to signify the light that God has promised to be in the darkness to us. The evergreen wreath is round. It's a circle. It has no beginning and no end. This signifies God's unending love and faithfulness to us. The first candle lit last on the first uh, Sunday of Advent represents the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And the second candle, which we light today, represents the peace that only he can bring. Luke 2, verses 10 through 14 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of joy that will be for all people. For unto you born this day in the city of David as a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Would you stand as we worship the Lord together now? And makes 
Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, it is true that that we can have joy and that may not be a reality that a lot of us are embracing in this season, but God, I pray that we would and we can have that because of your son, Jesus Christ, because the gift that you gave us to be light in this world, the hope that we have in him and the peace that he brings. God, we thank you and we love you and we pray all of this in your son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, amen. Y'all can take a seat. Well, good morning. Welcome to Christ Church. My name is Steve Noble. I have the privilege of serving on our family team here at the church, and I'm glad to be welcoming you to worship this morning. Whether you're joining us online or joining us in the room, we are so thrilled to be together with you this morning. If you are joining us for the first time, we like to extend a particularly warm welcome. We are so glad you guys are here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. If you're new, um, go ahead and text the number on the screen, um, visit the website. We would be so glad to have you join us, get connected here at the church. Um, we had a town hall this past Wednesday um, where we at the church talked through um, the, excuse me, I don't get up in front of people very often anymore. I'm getting a little frazzled. <laughs> we doing good? <laughs> I'm sorry. Making everyone nervous here. <laughs> We had a town hall this past Wednesday um, where we talked through Christmas Eve, um, all this going on in the church, um, our COVID response. If you're interested in watching that, you can check out on Facebook um, or on our media library um, on our website. It is Advent. It is December. Um, and so this is usually a really busy time of season, of time of year at the church. Um, there's a lot going on. I want to just cue you in on some of that um, at we are going through our Advent series. We are calling The Light Leads Us. We would love for you to join us um, in worship online, in person, as you are able. Today, actually, 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock, we have our traditional carol fest, our traditional carol fest um, service. We would love to, for you to join us for carol fest. That is a tradition in my family. We love joining together, singing songs together. Our classic worship team is leading that. Um, it is online, live at 3 and 6, or you can, again, join us in our media library at any time. We would love for you to join us there as well. Um, well, this has been a year of disruption. There's been a lot going on. It's been a hard year in many ways. Um, one such loss for our community is our, our Spirit Village event, which we do every year. We unfortunately won't be able to gather together in that way this year. Um, that is a fun event for our families. It is also um, a time where we raise a lot of money for our missions partners. Um, and so we want to encourage our community to let you know we are continuing to support all of our mission partners, um, even though we aren't able to join and raise money um, in that way. One such mission partner I'd like to cue you in on um, and give you a little more information on how 2020 has gone for them is our friends at the Pacific Garden Mission. Pacific Garden Mission, you may know, is uh, the, the oldest consecutively run um, uh, homeless shelter in the United States. It is huge, the largest homeless shelter in the city of Chicago. Um, they've been running since 1887. They provide shelter, food, a whole lot of services, addiction um, counseling, Counseling, spiritual counseling, a lot of stuff going on. 2020 for them has been particularly hard. I have a letter written from um, Stephen Welch, who is a member at Christ Church. He's someone who at one point in his life relied on the Pacific Garden Mission to... Um, give him shelter and support and food. And he now is on staff at the Pacific Garden Mission. I have a letter from him. 
He says this, in April, we had a 70% COVID-19 infection rate, and the Chicago Health Department threatened to take us over if we didn't get it under control. We began strict guidelines on social distancing and capacity and many other safety procedures. By September, we had a perfect negative COVID-19 test score. Our greatest challenge now is how to accommodate the homeless in the winter. Pacific Garden Mission is the third largest restaurant slash hotel in Chicago and the only free one. We do not want to turn loved ones away due to COVID, but not all the homeless in Chicago can fit into the building. We are working to expand our capacity by setting up new warming stations with additional staff throughout the mission. Our goal is to help more people during the cold winter months while staying in compliance with COVID regulations. Your generosity will help us to make those plans possible. Warm food, clothing, shelter, and showers are essential, but the most important thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which transforms lives for all eternity. Please pray for the men, women, and children we minister to. They are all someone's children, siblings, or parents. Thank you, Christ Church, for your faithful support. Signed, Stephen Welch. Um, even without Spirit Village this year, um, we want to encourage you. We, we are still working with all these incredible mission partners. You are having an impact by you supporting the church, by you being a part of this community. You are allowing us to continue to work with all these incredible organizations here in Chicago and all over the world. And so as we move into a time of generosity, I want to encourage you, your giving is having an impact. As we move into an uncertain 2021, I'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider continuing to support Christ Church and the many ministries and missions that we are supporting. If you'd like to give to the church, um, there is a website on the screen. You can text the number as well on the screen. You can mail it to the church. You can drop it at any one of our locations. Um, But we would like for you to consider joining us as we give to God his tithes and our offerings.
to you, Christ Church of Oakbrook, those who are gathered here in this space today, and also those of you who are joining online. I realized that some of you, I may be a new face, and to some of you a familiar one, and that's because I'm new-ish around here. Several years ago, I had the wonderful opportunity to serve on the staff here at Christ Church of Oakbrook in the women's ministry, and then the Lord led us to Southern California for four and a half years on a wonderful, awesome adventure, one uh, that we thought we were going to be there forever, but God's ways are mischievous and mysterious, and we are so grateful for the grace and the goodness of God that we are here and that I am here among the Christ Church family and it is such a joy to be with you. Uh, we just now are settling into Downers Grove, my husband Jeff and our two boys, Caleb and Noah. You'll be seeing them running around here. For those of you that are here, they're eight and 10 years old. And I am so thrilled uh, to be preaching today on this second Sunday of Advent as we continue our series, The Light Leads Us. And so let's continue to prepare our hearts and worship and center ourselves before the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness. That you are a God that comes to us and dwells among us. That you are a God that speaks to us, knows us, and sees us. And so Lord, I pray for those this morning especially that don't feel known that don't feel seen, that don't feel loved. Lord, would you speak deeply to them today? And would you speak to all of us? Would you give us ears to hear, a mind to understand, and a heart to receive? Word of God, speak. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. When I think of Christmas 2012, I think of loneliness. It wasn't that I didn't have friends and family, I did, but I actually was going through a really difficult and challenging and busy season. 
I had two boys at home, one was two and another was a baby. I was in full-time seminary and I was in full-time ministry and I hardly had any margin in my life, especially no margin for friends. I wasn't keeping in touch with people. Though I longed to have those coffee dates and those lunch dates and that sense of community and family, it was still very few and far between. And I remember I was, I was finally on break at school. Finally, I could take a deep breath after being so stressed out of, of an incredibly busy season. I, I finally had a time of rest and I decided that I was gonna gather my boys together and we were gonna make Christmas cookies. And so we began getting all the ingredients together and we were so excited, we pulled up the recipe. And as I started going through the cupboards, I, I realized I was completely out of sugar. Now I had a choice, I was either going to load both boys up in the freezing cold in the car and go to the grocery store and, and get sugar, or I was just gonna scrap it all together. And then I had this thought, I wonder if there's anyone in my neighborhood or if there's anyone that I could call and ask them, hey, can I just run over and, and grab a cup of sugar? But I could think of no one. I could think of no one that I could call that could spare a cup of sugar. And then later that night, I, I was watching one of my favorite shows to, to go back and in watch, and that is the show Friends. Perhaps you've seen it. It depicts this, this group of friends that find each other in their, their 20s, and they have this awesome friendship, the type of friendship where you don't even knock at the door when you wanna go in. You just open the door, you walk in the kitchen, and you start helping yourself to the cabinets. You start helping yourself to food. And as I watched that companionship and that friendship, I thought, I want that. I want that. And as I laid there in bed that night, in the darkness, feeling sorry for myself, feeling sad, and feeling lonely. Perhaps you know that feeling, whether you're there now, or whether you've been there before. You know, Mother Teresa is once quoted as saying, the most terrible poverty is loneliness and the feeling of being unloved. And in fact, many note that before the coronavirus was a pandemic, loneliness was an epidemic. And while the world continues to talk about this virus, one of the most silent killers also happening simultaneously is loneliness. Such a terrible and dark and sad reality a grim and dark reality for 2020. From Fleming Rutledge is famous for saying, Advent begins in the dark. That is the season that we are in right now as we wait to light that final candle, that Advent begins with a sense of darkness. Advent begins in the dark. This is indeed true in the practice of Advent and is also indeed true in the first Advent, in the first Christmas story. We arrive in the Gospels with a sense that there's an expectation, a longing, a waiting. 
The world, the people of God were in a place of longing, wondering if the God who sees, wondering if the God who calls, wondering if this relational God sees them any more. You see, the first scene of Advent is not full of pine cones and and candy canes and Christmas trees, but instead it's, it's a community, a people in a place of longing and darkness. In fact, the beginning of the gospel, we see that this was set in the days of Herod. In the days of Herod, which points to an incredibly dark and oppressive time for the Jewish people of God. You see, the backdrop of Luke is not pine cones and cinnamon and snowflakes and happiness, but it was a backdrop of a family bloody horrors. It was a backdrop that is stained with pain and cruelty and marginalization and longing and a sense that the world is, is quite not yet right. It was littered with, with oppressive and deadly to anyone who showed opposition to the king, Herod. So of course, the people are asking, are you there, God, or are we alone? Do you see us, God? Are we going to be rescued again? There was a sense of yearning, not just any yearning, but a yearning from the dark. A yearning of a a feeling of a wondering, are they alone? Will our deliverance come again as in the days of the Moses? Will our deliverance come again as the God who parted the Red Seas and rescued us from the grips of Pharaoh? Or will God abandon us and lead us here? You see, to many, it felt like God had left them in the dark. Perhaps you know that feeling, that feeling of being left alone in the dark without a companion to journey with. Perhaps there's even been moments where you have looked to the heavens and asked, God, have you left me alone here in isolation to clean up this mess for myself? Not just any yearning, but yearning from the dark, yearning for a glimmer of hope, yearning for light, yearning for peace and wholeness and healing, yearning from a place of perhaps even despair. Perhaps you too know that feeling. You see, the story of the first advent, God chooses a young woman God chooses to come to a people through a woman, Mary, who actually is among one of the most marginalized people groups in society. Mary is a part of a a class, a social class called the Anawim, which actually means many poor people. They were the lowest of level, they lived in the lowest level of society, they were among the poorest of poor. They were a people who were poor, They felt invisible. They were marginalized in society. They yearned from the dark. They yearned from a place of isolation. And this is the cradle in which Jesus was rocked. In fact, let's take a look at this story of the the first advent found in 
Luke's Gospel, chapter one, we're gonna look at verses 26 through 38. If you do have your Bibles with you and you want to open up, otherwise you can follow along in the screen or on your phones. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. And so in the scene of this first advent is a people yearning from the dark, yearning from a place of isolation, longing for God to come and set the world to right. And we see this angel come to Mary. Gabriel comes to Mary, this peasant girl, and begins to speak to her. As we know, Mary is an unmarried virgin and soon to be married to a man by the name of Joseph who is a descendant of David. And this angel comes to this very poor, marginalized young woman and greets her and says, greetings. You are highly favored. In other words, God sees you and your isolation. God sees you in your yearning from the darkness. God sees you in your cries. And this angel begins to speak over Mary and what God is asking her to do is to participate in a mission that will not just change her life, that will not just change her people's life, but will change the entire course of history and will change the entire world. And what's most astounding about all of this is Mary's response. It's as if she responds, yes, God, bring it on. She shows a complete and total act of surrender to the God that sees her in her isolated and dark space, and she responds, yes, God, let it be. And as later she is trying to comprehend this mission that God has given her, she erupts in a song of praise, praising God for the God who sees, for the God who knows, and for the God who loves a people who seemingly felt invisible. 
that in fact they weren't alone after all. They, they weren't invisible after all. You see here, we see the unfolding of a story that culminates, of a God that comes to a dark and grim and hopeless situation that changes the entire course of history. You see, you've probably heard the phrase, a baby changes everything. When I was pregnant with my firstborn, Caleb, in 2010, it was, it was my first one, and so many sweet ladies would come to me in the store and they'd say, how far along are you? And I'd say, oh, I'm, I'm four months, I'm five months, I'm eight months, you know, whatever it was, and they would say, oh, you know, a baby changes everything. And I was a determined young lady. Whenever someone said that to me, I'd think, yeah, I mean, it's gonna change me, it's gonna be great, but it's not gonna change me. I mean, I'm still gonna be able to work out two hours a day, and I'm still gonna be able to get through seminary, and I'm still gonna be able to work full time, and I'm still gonna be able to accomplish so much. Stop telling me that a baby is going to change everything. I say, oh, you know, I remember. As soon as a baby came into the world, we, we stopped going out to eat, we stopped this, we stopped that. I thought, it's not gonna happen to me, it's not gonna change me. But then on April 17th, 2010, the most beautiful, bright, blue-eyed, blonde-haired baby boy, Caleb Daniel Leach, arrived in this world. I mean, the first moment that I laid eyes on him and held him in my arms, with tears flowing down my face and my husband's face, I knew that that baby was indeed going to change my life. And that baby did change my life. Yes, there was disruption. Yes, it meant that I couldn't work out for weeks on end. Yes, it meant that I had sleepless nights. I was so bone tired every time that I went to bed. That baby changed everything but that baby changed everything. And unto us, in the story of this first advent, is a child that is born that changes the entire course of history. Changes the entire course of history as the God who comes, as the God who sees, as the God who dwells, as the God who moves into the neighborhood. This child is not just any child, but is one that would come fully human and fully God and would bring deliverance to God's people, the people who felt in isolation, the people who felt as though they were living in the dark, the people who felt as though they were lonely. This is the child that would come to heal the blind, the lame would be able to walk, he would dine with sinners, he would speak audacious words of radical and countercultural love. Yes, he would be born in a cattle trough, he would live among the poor, he would go fishing and he would catch fish, he would ride a donkey, and he would also forgive the hypocrite, the sinner, and the prostitute, and the outcast, and the forgotten, and then he would journey all the way to the cross, the tomb, and then to the throne. You see, this child is not just any child that would change 
Mary's life, but this is a child that would change the entire course of history. This is a child who is fully human, fully divine, the king of the most high. He is the king of kings, the prince of peace, the lord of lords, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is the anointed one. He is the author of eternal salvation. He is the bread of life, the bridegroom, the bright and morning star. He's the chosen one, the lamb that was slain, the spotless lamb. He He is the deliverer, our deliverer. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the word, he is eternal life. He is light of the world. He is a complete and total revelation of God. He is the resurrection and the life. He's the vine, the way, the truth, and the life. This baby changes everything. This baby changes everything by stepping into a world and opens up this great banquet table and puts expanders on it and says, come, pull up a chair, have a seat. This is where you belong. This table was maybe once excluded, but now it is inclusive. Come and dine at this great banquet table where God is the host. You no longer have to live in isolation. You no longer have to live alone. You no longer have to be lonely for this God comes and says come have a relationship with me and come and sit at this great banquet table and have a relationship with others for you are being invited into the great family of God you see this baby brings light into the darkness this baby brings hope for the hopeless this baby brings healing for the broken this baby brings family and belonging and togetherness and relationship for the lonely and the isolated today, dear ones, do you find yourself yearning from the dark? Do you find yourself in that place of isolation and hopelessness and despair? This is the good news. As we see in Mary's response, that this is the God who comes and sees and knows and loves and welcomes and says, come, you don't have to be alone. This baby changes everything. So this morning, will we then respond how Mary responds? We see Mary first say yes to the king. She says yes to the king. Perhaps you're here this morning and and you're curious about all of this or, or you're watching online. You thought you would check it out. Let me just say this, you're not here by accident. If you are curious about this king that Mary said yes to, this this king who changed the entire course of history, hear me. God wants a relationship with you. God sees you. God knows you. God loves you. So perhaps you find yourself this morning broken and weary and longing and something is just not right, that feeling that the world is not right, that this internal life of ours is not right. You're just looking for something. Hear me, this king changes everything. This king brings healing and hope and life. 
this king invites us into a relationship and calls us from a place of isolation and loneliness and into a relationship with him. And this king invites us into a relationship with one another. In other words, we can now call ourselves family. We can call ourselves brothers and sisters. But the second thing that we see Mary do is she says yes to the king and she also says yes to the divine plan of God. In other words, God is on the move and has been on the move and God calls Mary and invites her to participate in bringing light to a very weary and to a very dark and to a very despairing and hopeless world. And Mary, yes, she says, May it be unto me, Lord. Bring it on. And in her response, she is choosing to embody the hope and the light of a world, to live it in such a way, to walk it in such a way, to walk in obedience that those on the outside who feel like they are lost, lonely, marginalized in isolation, that in her light she would be able to shine this hope and this light that the world would see it and be drawn to it and know that they don't have to stay in this place of despair. You see, Mary lit the fire to the candle of hope by being obedient in the plan and participation in the plan of God. I love candles. I love candles in my home. If I could, I would have candles all throughout. I love the way that it makes the house glow at night. I love the smell. I love them so much. And we do have candles all throughout our house. But it gets really expensive when you light them all the time. And so oftentimes we we have a lot of candles and, and I'll wait to light all the candles until we have guests to come. We're not having many guests these days, but whenever we have a dinner party or or friends come, the scene looks something like this. About an hour before, I'm running around the house with my hair on fire, (laughs) cleaning up every nook and cranny so that way when people come, they think I have my stuff together and they think that I'm just an incredibly organized person. So we've got the dinner going, we've got all these pots and pans going and you know, they're fluffing the pillows on the couch and cleaning every nook and cranny. In about 15 minutes, before the expected time in which guests are going to arrive, I get my lighter and I go from candle to candle to candle to candle. And when the candles are lit, you know that I am ready for guests. My family knows that if all the candles in the house are lit, people are coming. And we light them not just because we think our guests are coming, not because we think, "Mm, I wonder if anyone's gonna come today. But we light them because we know they are coming. We mustn't think that the world is weary. We mustn't merely just think that the world is in despair. We mustn't just think that there are those around us who need hope. But instead we must know You see, the invitation for us this morning is to not only say yes to the king, but to also say yes to ourselves, lighting that candle of hope. And knowing that this world, as it continues to to spin on the Christmas machine of, of consumption and glitter and excitement, there are those who are on the sidelines feeling lonely and despair and hopeless 
and wondering who is going to show them that they don't have to stay here. You see, the story of the first advent is a God who sees, knows, and loves. And it's a God that says, come on, light your candle. Light it up for a weary and broken and hurting world. And all that you do, light your candle in your workplace, light your candle in your home, don't wait. Light your candle in your neighborhood, light your candle in all that you do and let it shine for a weary world so that they too would know that they don't have to be alone or in isolation. But instead there's a God that sees, there's a God that knows, and there's a God that loves. Let us pray. Living Lord, we thank you that the light leads us. We thank you that you are the God that sees us, that you see us now. You see every single person in here today that is aching and yearning and hoping and longing. God, would you fill this room and our hearts in such a way that we would move from a place of despair and hopelessness to a place of hope. And that we wouldn't just keep that to ourselves, but in the same ways that you impart light to us, may we too let our light shine as a weary world rejoices. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So dear ones, in response, would you stand with me? And let us sing together in a holy proclamation of the good grace and love of God as we declare to one another and to God today that we are going to let our light shine.
say yes and may you say yes to that divine plan of God and light those candles the candle of hope and love so that a weary world rejoices so now brothers and sisters in Christ may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace In the most powerful name of our triune God, God who created the heavens and the earth, God who sees, God the Son who lays down his life and his light, and God the Spirit who will fill you and empower you to shine your light bright. And all of God's people said, amen. 